Welcome back to the Relationship Road Trip, navigating the twists and turns of all the important relationships in your life. I am Ben Azevedo, your backseat driver. I'm Dr. Don Fernando Azevedo, clinical psychologist, executive coach, and voiceover artist, your navigator. I'm Kim Azevedo, licensed marriage and family therapist, expressive arts therapist, and your trusty queer mechanic. Welcome back to the road trip, drivers. Let's get going. Today's quote is from Elliot Page. We deserve to experience love fully, equally, without shame, and without compromise. So last week, we attempted to take on an overview of gender and sexuality, and we made it basically through gender identity, and that was almost an hour. So we've split it into two parts, and this week we will be talking about how gender identity plays into attraction and sexuality. So... Who's starting us off, Kim? Sure. Of course. Yes. Go for it. All right. If you remember from last week, we talked about the heteronormative narrative, which fits into the binary spectrum. This is the belief of male and female being the only two options. In line with that, you have you are either heterosexual or you are homosexual or gay or lesbian with nothing in between, which and no absence of. So nothing in between, no absence. You either are a straight person or a gay person. There you have it. Done. Which would be beautiful if the human existence was that simplistic, but we are not computers. So we're not just a one or a zero. We are way more complex. Which I think is more beautiful. I also agree with that. It's the richness of analog. (laughs) Okay. Fair. It is. It's not digital. It's analog. I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> All right. This creates the concept of a fluidity of sexuality of expression. Most people are familiar with the concept of the sexuality spectrum. A are couple most of people terms. familiar with that? Oh. I mean, that's, maybe what we're, not. that's what we're presenting to our listeners, that instead of a binary, there is a spectrum. Correct. That is the alternative. That is one alternative, yeah. I'm sure that there are others that I don't know about. But that's the one that we're talking about today. Right, and it's an attempt at a more accurate description of human human expression. And if we want to relate this to the rainbow, because why not? It's pride. If you consider the binary as being that like Roy G. Biv acronym, so red, orange, yellow, green, blue, violet, these are the only colors that you can be versus an actual spectrum of colors that exist where you have aqua and lime green versus yellow or gold or lemon cyan. We can play a whole game of naming colors. There's a lot more expansion than just the narrow lines and blocks that we create. And one of the things about the human existence is this desire to create a structure so that we're able to understand things. And each other. And each other. What you'll learn as we talk about this is it's really hard to do that because everyone is so different. So it's hard to put people in boxes. But we've started to create kind of these corrals of language to talk about these things. Outside of the binary language, 
Within the spectrum, you have words such as pansexual. So this is someone who is attracted to people of any or all genders. Some people use the word pansexual as an umbrella term, describes individuals that are attracted to more than one gender. This became a more popular term around 2000. Prior to that and still in existence is the term bisexual. This is someone who is attracted to those of their same gender as well as those of a different gender. For example, a woman who is attracted to both women and men. Some people use the word bisexual as the umbrella term to describe individuals who are attracted to more than one gender, so similar to pansexual. Also within that context is omnisexual. So as you can tell already, a lot of these terms are connected. And this is where it becomes really challenging for people to learn this language and better understand it. When in doubt, ask someone. Ask them, how do you identify? So my personal experience, I identify as bisexual. However, definition-wise, I suppose I would fit pansexual better. However, you know what? Bisexual is what I've gone by since I first really came out. And that's what I'm sticking to because I like it. And I like my flag better. <laughs> and we like you. Oh, thanks. Another interesting thing across the spectrum is the concept of asexual or asexuality. This is someone who experiences little or no sexual attraction or who experiences attraction but doesn't feel the need to act out that attraction sexually. Many people who are asexual still identify with a specific sexual orientation. So that would be the heterosexual, gay, lesbian, pansexual, bisexual, etc. Can we take a second to talk about attraction? Because up till that moment, I think we were more or less specifically talking about physical attraction, sexual attraction, but there's emotional attraction too. So would an asexual person experience emotional attraction and not physical attraction? I don't entirely know. That's something I would have to ask someone who identifies that way. The most I've got are the definitions that I pulled off of the websites from last time. Okay. So I don't entirely know. My guess is, yes, they would experience some form of emotional attraction to others. Well, and is that, I guess, is that an accurate explanation of attraction? There are different kinds of attraction. You can have physical attraction and emotional attraction. You could have romantic feelings for someone of your same gender, but not necessarily physical feelings for them. That's true. And that's, again, where this spectrum comes in. Someone mm -hmm. could be, I think the term is biromantic. So they feel romantic expression towards both or many genders. However, they don't feel sexual attraction to all of that. So again, this is building that language and beginning to understand it. I know there are people who pull out, instead of bisexuality, it's biromantic because they identify as heterosexual biromantic. And again, easiest way to learn these things is to talk to the people who experience it. And it's so nuanced and it can feel really scary to try to approach this both internally and in conversation with other people. Because it can feel really confusing if you do have that romantic interest or even the sexual interest in someone of the same gender or same gender expression, but also feel physically attracted towards someone of a different. So that would be the biromantic heterosexual. This is where it all starts to get really confusing and sometimes scary 
trying to figure out how you exist in this world and who you are attracted to or not attracted to can be challenging. And it takes a lot of introspection. There is another important term. It's the term queer, which I think is what I started out with today. I was our queer friend, queer mechanic. Yeah. So the term queer, people use this as an umbrella term for non-heteronormative relationships. There are other definitions of this specific word. It originally meant strange or peculiar and was an insult originally against non-heterosexual people in the late 19th century. It's been reclaimed by people in the LGBT community and is now used as an umbrella term for people who identify as sexually or gender diverse. So LGBTQIA plus or expanse. Queer is more ambiguous So it can mean things outside of those letters that are presented when discussing things. Again, explore meanings, ask questions, be curious. Gentle curiosity is what we always preach on this show, right? Gentle curiosity. Help me understand. Yeah. It remains true for this and every episode. Always important. Gentle curiosity. Help me understand your experience in this world. There you go. Thanks, Kim. That was a great <laughs> that was a great breakdown. And I'm sure there are more terms and we could go on for the whole episode about it. We'll um, have a different episode about that. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna dig more into this stuff with our guest, this arc, secret guest. Okay, so how does this play into relationships? The one most people are aware of is monogamy. You marry one person and you stay married for life and then you die. One like gammy. a penguin. Mono like a penguin. Actually, like several animals. There are several animals that are monogamous and lifelong. Okay, and then penguins are cute and wear tuxedos. So. That's true. But most people who are monogamous also wore a tuxedo at least once. At least the guys You don't did. know that. That's true. That's true. And then there's another concept that's actually a little bit more modern <laughs> since divorce has become more of a common thing in society. So there's this idea of serial monogamy one exclusive relationship followed by another divorce than remarriage. So Um, it's not liking special K and then liking Cheerios and then liking the Wheaties. No, that's a serial killer. Oh, I see what you did there. Where's she going with this? (laughs) So many jokes, so many puns. I thought I was the one doing dad jokes here, but no. Is serial monogamy like a choice? Which I say with a lot of hesitation and and question marks, but you choose to be monogamous. If you're going to get into a monogamous relationship, you've made a choice to do that. You're committing to this partner, hopefully for the rest of your lives, things happen, but that's the intent. And then when I think about like divorce and remarriage, a lot of times most people are getting married with that long-term, that lifelong partnership, and then something happens and it ends. And then they do that again and again. So do you think that there's a shift in mentality where it's more like, I'm going to be monogamous, but it's not necessarily a life commitment. It's just a until something changes commitment. As far as I'm aware, there's not been good research on any of this. So I don't know. I know that the phenomena exists. I've certainly worked with many people who have been in multiple marriages. Right. Not just two, you know which I don't yeah. know would qualify as serial, but three, four, and five. Also, if you think about dating and long-term dating. Right, yes. I guess it's a different mindset. You're looking right. for something right. different. If you want to date casually, 
you're looking a little bit differently than if you want to date someone exclusively for a longer period of time. Yes. And it's also, that's the more common narrative of at least Western society is you have one person and that's your person. And yes. And then recently the idea that divorce is easy. So the idea of serial monogamy, then there's polyamory. So this is not a protected relationship style in the sense that the law doesn't recognize this. The society doesn't recognize it, but it exists. It's actually far more available in the world than one would think. So one of the challenges with this, because it's not protected, is if it's discovered at your work that you're polyamorous, you can be fired without recourse. There's no protection. It's also possible to come up as child custody issues should those ever arise. So there's still a lot of judgment around it. So what is polyamory? Polyamory is where you have, it's multi-defined, polyamory is, but there's a primary relationship, which is the one that would look more like monogamy or a traditional marriage. And then each of the partners accepts that the other may have other sexual relationships outside of that monogamous relationship. And what's interesting with a lot of folks with polyamory who practice polyamory, it's really the sexuality that is out there. And they don't mind that their partner has sex with someone else, but they get very upset if there's an emotional connection with the person outside of the primary relationship. An interesting observation on my part, just from the folks that I've worked with over the years. Then there's polygamy. This is one male married to multiple women. Um, In the polygamy binary is, again. Which, yeah. right, like well, yeah, the, that one the is, terminology of it is always, or the terminology of these things is defined in the binary. Sure. Although you can have a monogamous relationship in a non-binary pairing. I yeah, she's when you're about defining polygamy and yeah, when you define polygamy and polyandry, it's one man, multiple women, one woman, multiple man, which is within the binary yes. understanding that it can be on the spectrum of gender identity. Yes, that part is true. And part of that is because these terms are very old. old. They're not quite a million years old, but they're very old. They are not recognized under the law. So it is illegal. Although there have been recent court cases about polygamy and the Mormon church. So I don't know that one really well, but there have been court cases around that. Nonetheless, polygamy, one man, multiple women, polyandry, one woman, multiple men. Binary gender wise, but different than uh, a monogamous relationship. So you asked a, a great question, Ben, about attraction. And attraction operates like a magnet. It's the people we are drawn to. And we're drawn to people along a variety, a spectrum of reasons. We're drawn to people because they share intellectual interests that we have. We're drawn to people because they share behavioral interests that we have. We're attracted to people because they are emotionally safe for us and we can express ourselves emotionally better. And we are attracted to people physically. Like we want to go have sex and reproduce. So or, not. Attraction, or not reproduce. <laughs> or not reproduce. But the attraction is like a magnet. What draws me to this person and pushes me away from another person? Yeah, I mean, I think this whole subject for me is very much about moving away from a mentality of checking boxes or classifying things as this or that, the binary, and into a spectrum, not just of gender or sexual identity, but just all things. Like everything is 
complicated and somewhere in between an extreme. Not an extreme is the wrong word, but it's just not that simple. In between two points. Yeah, and even that's probably not accurate, right? Are there two points? There are probably more than two points. It like it becomes three-dimensional <laughs> so quickly. Yeah. You start on like an x-axis, and maybe I'm between A and B, and then all of a sudden you add a Y, and we're gonna do this again, make a crazy graph. But my point is like you add more and more points of identity, and it's a complex shape. Right. And it's well, it's evolving. Like you learn about yourself, you learn about the people around you, you learn about your society and, and things change and evolve. And the whole thing just comes back to continuing to learn, continuing to have that gentle curiosity and question and just be open and understanding. And lay down your judgment. Live your life the way you want to live your life. Don't inflict your desire about how life should be lived on other people. Yeah, Live everybody's simple. life celebratory. We all okay. get celebratory lives. That's true. And and it belong yeah. it doesn't your life, anyone else's life doesn't belong to me. I don't get to dictate how they live it or how they make a choice. I may not agree with their choice. I may not live that choice. You may not understand their choice. That's that too. true too. And and I may be completely unaware of the choices they're making because there are a lot of people in the world and I don't know most of them. Nonetheless, well, my job is to live my life, not judge others for how they live theirs. And I think an important thing that is really hard to do, because surprise, all of this as far as being gentle, curious, and understanding, is to really stop and realize how much you're projecting onto someone else. On the way home from the beach, our vacation recently, I was talking with my mom about asexuality because we were plotting and planning this particular arc while I was driving. She was taking notes. We were being safe about this. But we were talking about asexuality and how hard it is for people who experience sexual desire to understand the concept of not having it. And how do you grapple with that and better understand someone else's experience when you really have absolutely no clue what that's like? And just that curiosity because I know a lot of asexual people that I've met are consistently told, well, have you tried it? Have you ever had sex? How do you know you don't like it? And it's one of those things of you don't have to do the thing to know that you don't want it. If the feeling's not there, you don't have to engage on an ambiguous feeling that you don't have. Right. This is not introducing a new food to a child where you have a three-bite rule. <laughs> right. right. If you say no, the answer is no. And just respect that. Yep. Um, the thing I was talking about specifically with my mom was if someone came up and was like, you have to experience sex, what do we call that? Sexual assault. Yeah. Why would you project that onto someone who's openly expressing to you I'm just not into it. Sure. So that's part of putting your own bias aside is if you take a step back and consider how am I approaching this person, which is if you've never had sex, how do you know? Sexual Why am assault. I pushing sexual assault onto someone else? Right. If they don't want it, they don't want it. Yeah. And you don't have to understand that to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. That's right. You, you can practice acceptance without necessarily understanding. It's great to have understanding, but you can accept a thing without understanding it. Yeah. 
because it's not your life. They're not saying you're, you don't get to have sex for the rest of your life because I'm asexual, nor do you get to say, because I am sexual in some way, you must be that way too. That's the thing is you can't inflict your worldview on other people and hope to have a peaceful, loving life. Okay, so that is the end of part two of our high-level overview on gender and sexuality. We're going to continue this arc. We have a couple things planned, and we're going to have a guest probably next episode who's going to help us dive deeper into this and continue to expand our understanding of this subject. Hope you all are enjoying this arc. And if you have any questions, of course, email us at questions at afpsych.com or reach out to us on Facebook. And we're going to continue including some resources in the show notes. So if you're curious, you can go read. There's a lot of great stuff to read out there. And thanks for listening. Enjoy the drive. Thank you for listening to the Relationship Road Trip. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we want to know what you think. So write to us at questions at afpsych.com. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or subscribing with your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes of the show at relationshiproadtrip.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Relationship Road Trip comes out every Wednesday at 7 a.m., so don't forget to tune in next week. The Relationship Road Trip is brought to you by Azevedo Family Psychology, where they are dedicated to helping you create a life worth celebrating. You can learn more about their services at azevedofamilypsychology.com. This podcast is produced by Bear Cave Audio. Bear Cave Audio provides a range of audio services from original composition to podcast recording and editing. To learn more, go to bearcaveaudio.com or email ben at bearcaveaudio.com. Until we meet again, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back and may the sun shine warm upon your face. Your face.